too bad. Not too bad. We went, we, we did a big walk today and now just remember that we have to clean our children before sending them to soccer camp tomorrow. So uh, that's the, the pain of the evening time. How are you guys? Wonderful. All, all good. All good. With that. Just discussing the, the joys of the bank holiday. Oh, it's, it's, I don't even know what day it is anymore, guys. Good evening to all on this fine bank holiday day. Uh, come join the madness as we descend on yet another year of nostalgia-filled adventure. You are, of course, listening to the only podcast solely dedicated to reeling in the years. It's reeling in your ears, the podcast that sifts through each episode painstakingly so you can listen to us and go, ah, Jace, remember that. Uh, to join me, as always, in this time tunnel... It's Simon Chadwick. Hey Kieran, how are you getting on? All good, all good. I, I'm, I really bopping away better. to that. Yeah, I really need better <laughs> software because I mean, if I'm going to queue up men at work, it's it's kind of painstaking to sift through the start <laughs> and the finish. But uh, hey, look, I managed. I managed. It worked. It worked. <laughs> yeah, I get by. Um, and a big welcome back um, to our our good friend and frequent uh, frequent follower, uh, Neil Keegan, aka Kegel. How we doing? Not too bad. Happy whatever day it is on this yeah. bank holiday weekend. Hope you're all well. Yeah, it's uh, yeah they all kind of blend into one, especially during the summer. Um, but and I hear we're getting three more bank holidays too. That's uh, that's allegedly planned. That's yeah. I think the the sock Dems want to bring in want to bring in a rake more bank holidays. Fish. I might be might be switching my vote there. That's yeah, well, uh, look, yeah. that's that's yeah. called hard cash, really, isn't it? That's exactly what you want to hear. <laughs> if they move the if they move if they make six chicken nuggets for two euro on the euro saver menu forever, they definitely will get my vote as well. I don't know if that's in the control of the, the social democrats. But hey. hey, if they want to vote, they'll make it work. Yeah, yeah. We actually got a drive-through Supermax uh, here uh, only over the weekend. Oh, la dee da. I know, right? All right, and they, uh, it's hilarious because the site that it is, uh, I don't know if either of you are too, too familiar with Waterford, but uh, it's like on the Cork Road where they used to have a big adventure centre years ago called Thunderland. Um, and it's been sitting idle ever since. So they moved it in there. But literally, it started. they started construction two weeks ago and it's finished now. So I went down there today. Good Lord, they have some selection in Supermax these days. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I had a Supermax. It's probably last time I was in Galway, I guess, because that's just what you do in Galway, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it's one of the attractions, you know. Um, but no, it's it's it is fairly fairly decent. Um, so I'm and I've actually just had three enchiladas for dinner. So I'm. Uh, oh, you're gonna hear some strange noises out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that closet you uh, record from is not gonna be not gonna be well, a fun place. Super, Supermax kept the. The drunk people fed, you know, during the bad years when everything else should at kind of midnight, Supermax stood firm for the nation. And between 2 and 4 a.m., you'd wander in and you wouldn't know what Supermax was, where it was, how it was, what you're eating. But you were just delighted that they fed you, you know. So I think everyone should support Supermax for what they did for us during the bad times. Yeah. yeah. And, and they fought McDonald's, didn't they fight McDonald's? Yeah, in the court they case? did and they won. Yeah. They won, which was just hilarious. It was like Up the, the Irish, yeah, European courts <laughs> basically saying no, you can't, uh, you can't trade where the the word the bird big, 
uh, or it was a bigger Mac they fought over, either one. I guess it was the Mac, but like it was probably, I think because the Supermax, some of the Supermax burgers are like a Mighty Mac or something like that. So something I think, like I think that, McDonald's yeah. were trying to like sue them for using that. And your man's like, well, it's literally my name. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. you remove, you remove McDonald's. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like, um, it's like every time uh, WWE signs a wrestler who, under their, who, who uses their real name and then the WWE will try and trademark the person's name and they're like, no, it's my name. You, you can't. <laughs> But we're going to kick off then this week over in Kerry. We're investigating the paranormal. Uh, no need to call Derek a Cora. It's a moving statue. Uh, school children <laughs> claim to have seen a statue of the Virgin Mary move in a church in Kerry with further reports of the same activity in Ballinishpital in County Cork. Um, the devout religious, which back then was half the country, thought it was a miraculous event, while the other half thought uh, one motorcyclist said he can't explain it. Excellent expert testimony. Um, as Bishop Joseph Cassidy says, her function is not to move herself, but to move us. <laughs> this is a really strong start of an episode, I feel. <laughs> I feel there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> you couldn't get any more 80s Ireland than this shit, could you? You really could. You, this, is, this is the best excuse for going out uh, drinking in a field. You can't say what we used to call it. Oh, yeah. um, can't say going anymore. out drinking in a field and coming home pissed. They, they, to divert attention from the beatings you would have gotten in the 80s, you say the Virgin moved, the Virgin Mary moved in the field, and then the parents would go, Jesus Christ! Yeah. And say, no, it was Mary. And they'd all go and have a look, and they'd forget about the fact that their kids were drinking in the field. Yeah, it's 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 hilarious, and it's like it's one of these things where um, you can't you can't parody this. Like I was I was trying to come up with like jokes and stuff, and then I was like, Dairy Girls have already parodied this so oh, well that uh, that I, I I actually can't. I don't know if either of you watched Dairy Girls or have seen the no. episode, but uh, there's an episode of Dairy Girls which basically takes the piss out of this. So Dairy Girls is set in the in Dairy in the nineties, but right. basically uh, the girls, the eponymous Dairy Girls, are um, are trying to get out of doing an exam um, and they go they stop off and they chase their they chase there's a backstory to it but they chase a dog into a church and there's a statue of the virgin mary in the church and it starts crying right uh, but what it actually is the dog has run up to where the choir is seeing up above it and taking a piss and the ah. piss is dripping down the statue's face so they realize it they, they they tell everybody about this they realize what happened and then they try and uh like push it up but it becomes this big runaway story and that's essentially what happened in 1985 in all these places uh where like some kids said oh yeah the virgin the virgin mary moved and uh then suddenly it became national news yeah you see yeah i don't know dairy girls you know they they stay that's actually a, a skit from only fools and horses uh except it wasn't the dog pissing it was there was a leaky pipe um and it was pretty much the, the same thing but i'm sure that's probably been done uh a, a few times but like the school children uh seeing it um it's like there's a story that's that I read i read not too long ago about a similar thing happening in ethiopia um it was either Ethiopia or Zimbabwe, where uh, a group of children reported that they saw they were playing in the schoolyard and a little spaceship came down and a little green man came out and, you know, talked to them or whatever. And the adults dismissed it, but they eventually got a psychologist in to analyze the children's stories. And he determined they were actually telling the truth. But what it was is that one of them made this up or saw something and all of the children were then because they wanted in on it convinced themselves that they saw it and because they were so sure of it they couldn't determine it as a lie so it's possible uh, either that or a gas leak 
for the reason why the, the statue was moving. But this is it. Like it is a psychological like phenomenon. There's there's studies on this uh, like that, you know, and, and, and these statue movements uh, all over the space of six weeks in an Irish summer uh, are part of that phenomenon. Because that's what that's what happened. This, there was all these reports of moving statues one after the other within, I think it's like six to eight weeks in the summer of 1985. And like that is, that, and it's a phenomenon. And then suddenly it was all gone. But like the one in Balance Spittle, so the one they have in the middle here where she's about, the statue is about, I don't know, six miles away from where they're all looking. Do you know that one where it's like they're looking at it across like a, a, a ditch and then the statue is up on the hill? Did you see it on the, on mm. the, uh, yeah. on, on the, in, a, in, so in like, a bush. In a bush. So like, <laughs> You can't see it anyway. Like, how can you see it? It's miles away, right? I don't know. They're like, but there's people sitting on the hill with binoculars. There's people sitting there. But there was all these, uh, all the old traders. You know, if you ever go to Croke Park or to the Aviva oh, yeah. match, and there's all the lads hawking the the headbands, hats and scarves. Get your hats and scarves here. Your headbands. <laughs> there was all these people, like, and they had like you know memorabilia. So there's people at home with like memorabilia from the time they went and sat up looking at a statue for the day. Oh, uh, there's def- definitely crazy. somebody somewhere has got a commemorative plate in their commemorative plate cabinet. And, you know, and it's like, you know, Princess Di, fucking the Queen. Ah, there we go. The Statue of Mary, 1985, Battle of Spittle. Good old blades. Do you reckon they have a hat, a commemorative baseball cap with two, with the statue, with two <laughs> little wires hanging down, and you just pull the wires to move the statue on the hat? Oh, brilliant. Oh, be, I'm, that, on, I'm, going on eBay right, I'm going on eBay right now to buy one of those hats. That'd be hilarious. Actually, that would be interesting to see uh, if we could find any ridiculous uh, memorabilia from any of these segments. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it's just chaos, mass hysteria. Um, and after a long construction and lack of regulations and planning permission, Knock Airport opens for business. The main man, Monsignor James Horan, uh, with his luscious comb over, uh, thanks all the people who helped him through it. Uh, the first flight is, of course, a pilgrimage to Rome as the Monsignor <laughs> boards the flight in a dashing Ruski hat and a wash bag. <laughs> he, he, he travels gets, light. <laughs> he does for a Monsignor. It must be all under the robe. Yeah. He, has, he has one of those coats that you wear to get through the, you know, get through the check in, so you don't have to check in your bag it's got like 70 <laughs> pockets and uh, he gets the celebrity treatment on board where the average age of 60 uh, gives him a rendition of for he's a jolly good fellow he's <laughs> loving it he is loving it for illegally uh, illegally building this airport and it's like he never got permission for, we don't know whether we never get told where he got permission for it in the end yeah. but there was plenty of politicians on hand to open it when it was built oh 100% all these owl lads in suits like at least at least half of them are definitely <laughs> local politicians Oh, you, and you could see on his face, he was just walking through there saying thanks to everyone with a look on his face that said, Jesus, I got away with this. This is insane. <laughs> You're actually How clapping me here. <laughs> just I'm me. actually a drugs mule for Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Nobody knows. It's all under the robe. And do, you, do you think it's like, it's he, so the first flight's to Rome. I think he's just like, I've gotten this far. I'm just going to walk into the Vatican. I'm just going to walk <laughs> up to the Pope. <laughs> Don't need permission. That's it. See how far we get. They're, they're not expecting him at all. All of that trouble, he flies to Rome and your man at the door of the Vatican is like, no, you're not on the list. Monsignor <laughs> <laughs> what? No. Who? Um, and, and after this segment, we get sexy jazz music uh, as the Irish musicians take uh, make t- a charity record for African famine relief with a tune called Show Some Concern. Okay, clearly jumping on the bandway, band aid bandwagon, 
but oh my god, this is horrific. Christy, the African famine people not suffered enough. Have they not been through <laughs> enough? This it's, is awful. It's bad enough that Geldof is coming over to him every week, but Jesus, having to hear Christy Moore trying to hit a high note. Fuck me. I mean, I like, right, I see Twink, Christy Moore, and Linda Martin's mullet. That's all Linda I recognize. Martin. Like, where's Bono? Like, oh, there's more. Kieran. There's <laughs> more. D- didn't recognize a single person other than Twink, Christy Martin, and Linda. There's a lot of people you look at and go, oh, who the hell's that guy? Who's that guy? So there's a guy butchering like the third line of it who I think he can't sing. So he's got to be like a TV presenter or something. But right. um, I, I never found out who he was. But there's like apparently Dave Fanning is in this. Jerry Ryan is in there somewhere. And then like people you've heard of, like Mary Black, what? Uh, what? somewhere in there. Red Hurley. Apparently. I know I spotted his ginger head a mile away. Yeah, sorry, he was doing a duet, wasn't he? He was doing he was. like a duet line. Yeah, I saw him. Uh, and then some other people whose names I don't know, but I know they're involved in in uh, in in music. So, uh, oh, and I think I remember the Star Spangled Molly. Was that the week you were on? Um, oh, Kigo as well, or was that some? Was that was that one of the other years? Um, I can't remember what the band name was. They sang Star Spangled Molly. The girl, the girl with the red hair. Yes, yes. And she was like a comely Irish maiden. She's in there. <laughs> Fucking hell, like, good Lord, we just, we try too hard, you know. Uh, Are we sure, are we sure this isn't the reverse charity single where they play it and you give the money to stop? (laughs) Yeah. I think it would have raised more. Yeah, it was absolutely awful. This got to number one. What? Yeah, well, see, we're generous people. They were were hiding behind the famine relief. So it was number one for three weeks. Yeah. I, I think so. I think someone put LSD in the water supply because we also saw a load of moving statues, as we've just covered. That's... So I, I, I think there's a lot of weird things happening this year. That you're um, onto something. Yeah, you're I think someone tainted it. It's like Lex Luthor or someone from comics poisoned the water supply. Yeah, there's got to be something going on because there's no way anybody thought this was a good idea. The last, <laughs> yeah. the last time... this, the song is awful. The, 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 there's a line in it where your man just spells out the word guilt. <laughs> Did you hear that? Like it was G U I L T. I was like, well, that's not a line of a song. You've just spelled a word. I flew past it and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I was like, surely to God he's gonna break down into a rap in a minute or something. Like, I mean, a couple of years later we'd get Linda Martin singing Get Lucky. So I mean I, I, yeah. I thought she... apparently this song was Jerry Ryan's idea. So oh, of course. Yeah, of course it was. Jerry Ryan oh. and some guy called Mark Venner, who was the manager of the Blades. Blades, they were on an earlier episode as well. Oh, they were on when, yeah, they were on previously as well. Yeah, yeah. so their lead singer is one of the lads in this clip. I can't, I don't know his name, but uh, but oh. yeah, <laughs> so it was those two. A lot to answer for. Yeah, like I tried <laughs> to look up some info on it, and it was only just random articles here and there. And it was like, remember this, remember that. And I was like, Jesus, this obviously didn't, this didn't stick in the minds. There's a reason this doesn't get played at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, up next Ireland aren't showing any concern for Scotland and Murrayfield as they beat them in the rugby and Wales at Cardiff uh, then on to England at Lansdowne where a fabulous block by Brendan Mullins gets us a try and a further drop goal gets us a 13-10 win to give us the triple crown see Simon I can rugby too um, <laughs> is there any like significant or extra 
bit of info you've got on this because to me it's just a triple crown win uh, well yeah so you say that but i think because i explained the last the 82 episode how rare these were and how mm. yeah we are kind of on a regular basis so uh this is uh, the, the most significant thing i would say about this karen is it was the last time ireland were any good for 15 years so uh right. you know enjoy it because <laughs> what you'll see in the next 15 episodes of reading in the years is is if you see rugby it's us being shit uh <laughs> until enough. until the 2000 episode we got we got the glorious emergence of Brian O'Driscoll but uh like literally we 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 managed to win this and then just went to pieces 80s 90s like second half of the 80s and and then the rest the whole decade of the 90s not good rugby decades but the, the most famous thing here is Kieran Fitzgerald shouting where's your fucking pride yeah uh which is right. a famous um exaltation from the captain at the time when I think the, the game with England was level or maybe we might even have been behind but we needed to, to obviously to win to win the triple crown so you uh, you get that clip here where he's uh, he's shouting where's your fucking pride at his team right. and they go on to to show their pride by dropping a goal from yes. 10 yards every, every time every time I hear uh, hear Fitzgerald shout that I have to stand up out of my chair because <laughs> it's just it just hits you in your Irish DNA like this is the one of the first times you saw grown men cry as you're growing up in the eighties was was this run of games because uh, you know beating Wales, beating Scotland didn't happen, and then the English were were gonna were gonna smash us, and then he stands up and does that. I think we were behind at that stage. I can't remember. And then everyone in the boozer stands up. Um, you know, I was I was four, so it's one of my tiny memories. And then, because uh, there's this and there's McGuigan in the same year as well. Mm. And then there, but this was the moment where people got up and started screaming at a volume I've never heard in my life. Yeah, because uh, I, I didn't catch what he said, but I just saw the line come up and said he looks for Irish bride. I thought it was about bread. Uh, <laughs> but, but obviously not. <laughs> no, it's, uh, no, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a famous, um, a famous day being England in that, uh, in that, in that game. Yeah, it certainly looked like a great win. Um, and at Shannon Airport, minutes after receiving clearance for London, Air India flight crashes into the Atlantic. Uh, a terrorist bomb is the suspected cause, and all 390, I say 329 people on board die. Um, I didn't actually get to the root of whether or not it was actually a terrorist bomb, but I, I just saw that it was featured on an episode of Air Crash Investigation. So was it? Yeah. Uh, it? It was actually, yeah. I did I did look into it um, again because it's in the first five minutes of the episode. My research is, yeah. is, is, is right up there. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so there's a there's a back, there's a backstory to it. Um, so it was bombed by militant Canadian Sikhs. Wow, as in the Sikh uh, religion uh, of India. Uh, so basically, there was the, the in India at the time, and this ties into last week's episode. So there was tensions between Sikhs and non-Sikhs uh, because remember, Indira Gandhi was assassinated yes. last year. So yeah. she was assassinated apparently by t- her two bodyguards who were Sikhs, and the, yeah. the, there's this whole thing going on, and a large Sikh population in Canada, and um, because a lot of Indians had emigrated over there. Oh, so basically, okay. these guys were like a terrorist cell. Okay. Based there, um, and they used a suitcase bomb uh, that they managed to. Because back in the day, you could just check your suitcase in and then not board the flight. Yeah, and nobody, yeah. you know, nobody bought it. Obviously, nobody knew, and nobody really bought an eyelid. So this suitcase got routed from Canada on this one plane to a different destination, and then that plane was used then for um, obviously this flight, which went over Ireland. Um, I think it was from. Um, Montreal to Delhi, actually, sorry, yeah, so uh, they put it on the plane in Vancouver, it went to Montreal, and then it flew to Delhi, and it exploded uh, 
obviously yeah. in Irish airspace. But yeah, yeah, uh, terrible. I, I and I had no. If it wasn't reading in the ears, I would never have heard about this. I no. don't know if Keegan knew about it, but uh, but yeah, I'd never, I'd never heard of it. It must get clouded by our, you know, kind of outshone by the locker bee bombing because that would have been around the same time, maybe a year or two later. Hmm. You know, um, and I mean, look, it's bound to be featured on air crash investigation because there, there really aren't that many uh, like airline crashes. You know, that show only got about six seasons. You know, they're not all that common. No, thankfully. Yeah, well, this actually I actually I saw actually. So this terrorist cell, they actually planted a second bomb on a second flight, another Air oh. India flight, because the whole idea was they were bombing the Air India planes because they were at war with India, quote unquote, or, or mm. trying to strike at India. Um, and they were trying to time the two bombs to go off together, but they got the timing, the time difference wrong. So the bomb, the second bomb ended up in, was in Tokyo oh. on an Air India plane and they had calculated it wrong because of daylight savings. So it actually exploded an hour before the other one, which meant it wasn't in the air and there was nobody. Uh, oh. No, I don't even think it was in a plane. I think it was on, it might've been out uh, on the carousel or whatever, not in the airport, but being moved or whatever. So uh, it did kill a couple of people, but it didn't, it didn't kill uh, obviously half as many as it might have. Jesus. Okay. Well, that's a, I guess for one, you, you use a term, a, a, a stroke of luck. Um, yeah. I mean, they should really make a film out of it called Seek and Destroy. Um, bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, you got to get a few of those in every week. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's been, uh, it's been 26 years. I think I, no, 36 years. God, I think I'll get away with it. Um, and oh look, there's Bono. I was looking for him. Uh, he's making his own video, so couldn't pitch a, uh, pitch in with concern. Uh, the unforgettable fire. What a tune. Strange video though. It's a classic moody eighties video. Yeah, that's true. That's how I just would describe it. <laughs> you just CGI shots of heads, you know, over like a was it a Ferris wheel or something at one point, and and then an actual fire. Yeah, um, and like the New York skyline with the rain coming down the window and all that. Yeah. It's all very eighties. Well, it's very Bono in the eighties though. You can see the difference though. Last time we were talking, we were talking about the Boomtown Rats and they're weird. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was weird. very odd. Yeah, so we're going from there to this in in three years. You know what I mean? In in no space of time at all. So, uh, yeah, I, I unforgettable fire is an absolutely savage tune. Mm. The video, uh, I I I could I could live without. To be totally honest, it's a bit too moody. You know. Yeah, exactly. A bit too bit too broody looking. Yeah, they're uh, reaching for a certain broodiness here aren't they that yeah he, he's already got the notions going by calling it an unforgettable fire uh you know with no connotations to fire whatsoever so and he's but, curled the front of his mullet i see <laughs> <laughs> he, he pretty much permed it we yeah. saw this mullet last week at kiko we discussed mullets at length last week but uh because this <laughs> yeah. is obviously the mid 80s the height of them but uh yeah he's he's really going for it here yeah well yeah, actually and, and rumor has it it was only just a regular fire it wasn't unforgettable it was yeah nothing... It was nothing, nothing special. The nothing special yeah. fire. Um, <laughs> yeah, and actually, I've seen quite a few mullets now in the last week uh, going around. Uh, they're, they're they're starting to make a comeback, which uh, you know they're not even decent mullets. I don't know if you've seen them, if you've been out and about enough to see them, but yeah, quite a quite a few young lads walking around mullets these days. And a bit of advice: if you're going to grow a mullet, don't. <laughs> um, and uh, up next a riot at a football game in Heysen Stadium in Brussels dozens are crushed to death uh, after a riot at the European Cup final uh, the commentator scorns Liverpool fans saying the Juventus players were subjected to the brunt of the chaos by a lunatic fringe of supporters who had nothing on their minds but to wreak havoc um, I've never heard of this one before actually mm. um, because I mean the big one is obviously Hillsborough but um, yeah, it, get, it gets overshadowed because because uh, you're right because the 
the the dead were pretty much all Italians, all all Juventus fans. Um, but uh, it's a it's a very significant event in uh, in in the history of football in as much as around how they how they use stadia uh, like sort of stadium here is obviously in Brussels it's crumbling um yeah. old like you see it there concrete terraces with kind of poorly erected chicken wire fence uh you know at, in places and at the time there was a big hooligan problem and the Liverpool hooligans were charging the Juventus fans there'd been a whole disaster around how the tickets had been sold in Belgium and and the fans managed to mix in together which is never good at a, at a, at a big football match no. and uh, people ran away from the charge and ran into a wall and the wall collapsed and uh, a lot of people were, were killed and then they played the match they went on to play it afterwards wow. they played the match so they knew people were dead uh, but they said well we're here if we don't play it there'll be riots and there'll be more yeah. you know violence more whatever so they played and the, the poor players had to play knowing that there was they were still clearing dead bodies out of the, Whoa. you know, from from the side of the pitch. I mean, it's just it's 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 crazy. Um, and significant in football terms because the uh, it's led to a ban on English clubs playing in Europe for six, oh. uh, which lasted for six years. And prior to that, like English teams had won seven of the previous eight European Cups, so it was a big, it was a big, uh, big shift. And it would it would be another fourteen years until an English team would get back. So even though they were only banned for six years, it would be uh, until ninety nine. Uh, and a team we don't like to speak with, uh, yeah, would, would, would break the duck. But uh, yeah, but, uh, it's mad yeah. that the, the Liverpool have been on both sides of this. You know what I they mean? Have, like they, yeah. they, you know, this was, you know, obviously a, a a small fringe of of people just taking over, and then because I think because of this, then they got the blame uh, years later in Hillsborough. You know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. It was it was just horrific all the way around. But Jesus, could you imagine? saying to a group of players saying lads look I know you saw what was going on some of the Juventus players are in there trying to calm it down in the crowd and they just go right we kind of have to play it uh, we're worried about what's going to happen if we don't so you guys go out there and play football as if nothing happened yeah I mean they kind of had to make the right choice it was either that or just leg it yeah, yeah, and they wouldn't be long about being chased. <clears throat> um, and TD Michael O'Leary weighs in on the divorce referendum as pressure grows for reformed legislation. As we see a couple chained to the fence of presumably the doll. Uh, I do need to know though if they are in favour or against divorce, because <laughs> if they want a divorce, chaining yourselves together is not a good way to start. Um, the government defers the referendum to the following year, uh, and then it's a fantastic uh, kind of placement for Fergal Sharkey's A Good Heart. Um, and uh, a good heart these days is hard to find, and obviously, a good shampoo is too, as he does not leave his fucking hair alone. I'm yeah, he's watching very him touching the hair a lot, isn't he? He's he's quite feely about it, yeah. While, while dad dancing his way around the stage, he's, he's so Irish in his coordination, it's fucking hilarious. Like, he's um. Yeah, God, he's just, he's not a, like, he's a banging tune, great tune, um, but just not a good, not a good dancer. Um, but yeah, I know it's mad, it's it's like back in the, you know, 85, so many serious protests about divorce and it wouldn't be, Jesus, it would take years and years for it to actually come through. I can't even remember off the top of my head, 1997? 95, I think. 95. 95 yeah, so 10 years, yeah. 10 years, we're still waiting to get divorced. Um, <laughs> um and in Moscow, uh, okay, something's going on. Surely, another dead leader. This has been this has been like what three in the last four years. Uh, Konstantin Chernenko dies, um, and M- Mikhail Gorbachev takes over. So there you go. You, you you've been wondering, Simon, when is Gorbachev? I was waiting for Gorbachev. Farewell, farewell, Chernenko. We 
really hardly knew you. Uh, <laughs> literally, he arrived in last week. We commented that he already looked dead, and now he's dead. <laughs> yeah. No, that was the previous guy. I can't remember now. Was that the previous guy? I don't remember. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, so uh, my, my boy Gorbachev's finally here. It's amazing how it's for retirement. They just kill people. Yeah. That's, the, That's it's, the retirement. It's a really nice way of doing business over yeah. in Russia. You, know, you don't you have to pay a pension, you see, Kigo. You don't have to pay a pension. Out, they'll just shoot you, so handy enough. Yeah, and it's it's kind of gas because I was like, when I was on the Wikipedia page earlier for, uh, I googled like Russian presidents and, you know, looked at the list and I got as far as Gorbachev and I was like, right, where's the succeeded by? And then it said succeeded by office abolished. <laughs> okay, right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's pretty much like this Chernenko guy dies, Gorbachev takes over. Uh, then uh, Boris Yeltsin and then 99 onwards is Putin. And that's that's it. There's nobody else. Yeah, nobody's killed Putin off. Yeah, and nobody. People probably have tried. Um, yeah, that well, that bear tried, but he wrestled it good. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really did. Um, but uh, yeah, this would uh, signal a downturn, uh, the start of the downturn of communism, as uh, Gorbachev's glasnost policy brings change to party politics. Uh, so as said, then you know your man. Um, Yells or Gorbachev, uh, he, he he takes over then, and then he's um, the famous line, Mister Gorbachev, bring down this wall, um, and then of course the communism itself collapses. Um, meanwhile, in the US, they're back on space again as they unveil their plans for Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not a, not as glamorous as it sounds. Uh, it looks more like a missile defense system with crudely animated rockets blasting away. You know, no Luke, I'm your father, none of that. Uh, it doesn't look like it's needed, those relations between the US and the Soviets. Uh, you know, they, 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 they meet and they shake hands, so all is good with the world. But fucking seriously, like how mad would it be just to be walking and look up at the sky and, you know, oh no, a missile, pew, gone. Yeah, I think they they were just spending so much money on this. I think it was costing trillions back then. <laughs> like, you know, and Reagan's just like, yeah, build it, build it. Where have we heard that before from a Republican? <laughs> <laughs> we said last week he's a template for Trump. He, oh, 110%. Because uh, even Trump wanted to build, what was it, like the Star Police or Star Force or uh, police out in space, basically, for whatever fucking reason. Um, so clearly Republicans are fixated on invading space um, yeah. did, did you see actually just one thing I noted in these clips was when, when Gorbachev and Reagan meet uh, and they shake hands they have that really awkward thing that happens yeah. sometimes I think it might happen with Nixon in a previous <laughs> episode where they're shaking and hold, but they like they're holding hands like they're sh- they've shaken for so long they stop shaking and they're literally just holding hands while talking and I'm like what language are they speaking do they know yeah. what each other is saying because you know they're, they're two of the most powerful men in the world I'm sure one of them isn't you know, neither want to give any ground. They're not going to be like, oh, I'll speak your language. You'll speak my, you know, I'll speak your language. They're probably just talking Gorbachev in Russian, Reagan in English, uh-huh. and pretending to laugh for the cameras. <laughs> that's, it's, that's... It's, it's like when we all go on a first date, not not the three of us, but when you have your first date ever and you, you kind of hold hands, you don't know what to do. So you just hold hands in the cinema. You know, nothing <laughs> yeah. to say. Yeah. You don't know. I'm waiting for one of them to do the old yawn and stretch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when they sit down. <laughs> Like I thought they looked like they were about to unveil the new iPhone uh, with the way they came out on stage, but they probably did that thing, you know, where like you're in your mind, you want to say like either how are you or how's things and you end up saying like, how's a goo, you know, and you're like, what? <laughs> so I'm sure they made a fuck of it somehow. 
Um, and in boxing, Barry McGuigan uh, becomes featherweight champion of the world. Uh, the man with the worst boxing nickname I've ever heard, the Clone Cyclone, uh, takes the title as his native Monaghan goes mental. To be fair, they don't really have much else in terms of sport. They occasionally make it to the football semis. This was massive. This was the second time I saw a grown man cry in this one year. Um, yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing. Uh, we Barry and it, it, this is this, without getting too serious. This is when sport goes past politics, religion, all that mm. sort of nonsense. Barry's from up north. Uh, he never he never had an anthem sung before his any of his fights. Um, I think it was Danny Boy or one of these songs, his dad's song. Um, and and it was it was an inclusive thing as opposed to you know him he could have gone out wearing a Celtic jersey or a Rangers jersey or whatever you know what I mean where he yeah. chose to 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 bring everyone together and there's a great documentary about him uh, ITV did one a few years ago one of the sports sports lives or something like that uh, it's well worth your time but Barry was Barry was the man he was for a few short minutes there was one country it was amazing. Damn, sounds yeah. like a, you know, it sounds like we missed a missed a great occasion there. I tell you, to be old lads, you missed it. You know, there's two TV <laughs> two TV channels. The world stopped at half ten at night. You got eight hours sleep a night. No one had any teeth. It was brilliant. <laughs> there's a great um. There's great. So when he wins and the ring feels like a. So many people in that ring, which is which is kind of weird to look at now, but yeah. uh, uh, it was deadly. But so there's a great aerial shot because the camera's kind of panning up aerially. So a you get to see some fantastic comb overs from above, which is which is wonderful, <laughs> yeah. uh, including uh, his manager, uh, uh, Mr. Eastwood, uh, Mr. Eastwood yeah. from from <laughs> yeah, his uh, his comb over is fantastic. But there's a brilliant um, bit because they're all kind of hugging Barry, and then there's this one guy who wanders past, <laughs> and he's got a rolled up cap in one hand and a plastic pint glass in the other hand. <laughs> And he's clearly just like, you know, when you're when you're <clears throat> like when you're pissed and you kind of come to your senses a bit and you realize you're like totally somewhere you just totally didn't expect to be like you're just like you're just kind of like I really I shouldn't be here. Yeah, like that kind of thing. He, he literally reminds me of this because he's kind of looking around. He's like, oh, Barry McGuigan is six feet away from me here. Like, I don't <laughs> understand how I got down here. And he's just kind of wandering through, wandering through the shot with this pint glass. I think it's, kind of, it's brilliant. He, he, he tried to open an airport the following week because he thought, for Jesus, I may as well give it a bash. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Um, and also, uh, Alex Ferguson, I mean, sorry, Dennis Taylor, uh, wins the snooker world title. Uh, so this is the guy I got confused with before. So who is, he, who is it I mixed him up with, Dennis Taylor and the other snooker guy? Um, Hurricane Higgins. Yes, there you go. Hurricane very Higgins. different. Very, yeah, to, very uh, both, to, both, both in the north, but... Both in the north with two totally different gentlemen. But I was right, though. Dennis Taylor is the bull above Alex Ferguson. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, and Cork City marks its 800th birthday with a year-long celebration because trust Cork to take a year to celebrate. <laughs> Surprised we're still Monst- not hearing Mon- about it. Monster do milk things, you know. So, oh, uh, they do. Oh, they, yeah. Well, yeah. well, they're claiming that Olympic medal for themselves uh, <laughs> that the boys won rowing. So, uh, you know. We we are we are yeah we we're all it's just monster we're all we're all no, Cork don't want the rest of you Cork just Cork are just claiming it for Cork yeah the Republic of Cork um I did see a thing online I thought it was hilarious it was like uh, there was a picture of uh, your man O'Sullivan and somebody was like Jesus his hair is glorious and underneath it was um maybe he's born with it maybe it's skibberine <laughs> I like it. That's, yeah, that's quite good. Um, meanwhile, uh, some young lad gets in the nip at a laundrette and washes his jeans with rocks. Because, you know, fuck your machine, I'll break it if I want. <laughs> 
what a ridiculous notion. Like, I know it was popular back in the day, uh, like to wear stonewashed jeans. Surely people weren't chucking rocks in a washing machine. I hope they I, weren't. <laughs> I, guess, I guess now that you think about it, like I never thought about it, but how, how do you make stonewashed jeans? You know, I've no idea. So I guess this is how we learned. And the well, amount of washing machines that were broken in this country because of that ass. Well, I mean... I did see, uh, oh God, years and years ago. I don't know if you remember the show Brainiac. Uh, it was on Sky. Yeah, it was I like, that. Yeah, with Richard Hammond. And it was like how to make all these weird, you know, things. And one of the things they did was stonewash jeans. And they found the best results to get from stonewash, to, to get a stonewash jeans, was to um, tie a knot in each leg down near the bottom, fill it with rocks or stones, uh, drag it behind a van, uh, and then stop and take the rocks out and voila, stonewash jeans. It'll save you. It'll save you the trouble of breaking your washing machine. <laughs> you know, I'll just I'll just go into pennies and buy the ones with holes in them already. Sky's budget <laughs> in the early 2000s was uh, oh, being wasted. On these <laughs> 100% <laughs> totally. Um, this is also the year of the famous Live Aid concert as we see a TV screen showing the scenes at Wembley while smug arsehole Bob Geldof takes the stage. Um, not to be outshined, Ireland is the highest per capita donor as uh, Geldof tells someone off camera that the Irish are beating the English for donations, tight git. Um, and of course, across the world, the Yanks join in in the global jukebox. Uh, so we have one to the right of us and one to the left. Ireland must be cracking over the noise that is going on between the two of them. Uh, and a total of 45 million was raised uh, to help Africa and I think it turned out to be 127 million in total um, okay maybe Gerloff isn't that much of a cunt we'll give him, uh, give him some reprieve um, and then we see aid packages being dropped and believe me dropped is a polite term for it <laughs> fuck them out of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it's like what the fuck like I was expecting like at least a parachute nah just Scatter them all over like a massive field. There was surely there's a better way to do this. <laughs> I don't know. I thought they used to just drive trucks up to villages and open it up and give people food, but we didn't know if there was anyone anywhere near the drop off. We didn't know if anyone knew it was coming. It could still be sitting there in a field now. We've no idea. That's yeah, they could have built a city on it for all we know. <laughs> Uh, they, they, apparently what they do nowadays when they're dropping aid is they do get a crate and drop it with um, drop it with parachutes um, attached to them but um, it's a huge it's a huge issue because uh, what you call it, militants like the, the oh those uh, you know those armies in places like Nigeria places like that they'll, they'll drive out to where when they see a crate falling out of the sky they'll drive out and basically take the crate for themselves so um, you know maybe just yeeting it at the back of a plane is the best way to do it um, and up next, Charlie gives his opinion on the establishment of the Progressive Democrats as Des O'Malley establishes the party with the support of Mary Harney, among others. Uh, so what I'd like to know for today's pop quiz is, is in their first election, how many seats did the Progressive Democrats win? So I'm going to start with Kigo first. Uh, how many seats in the first election? Uh, bonus points if you know when the first, uh, the, the next election for the first, uh, for the uh, Progressive Democrats was. But yeah, the question is, how many seats did they win in the first election? I think the answer is two. two. Uh, and, uh, because I, I don't remember anyone else being in that party. We got a, a, a Harney cameo there in the background to, oh, yeah. to keep you keep you good and good and oh, ready. Yeah. 
Um, and when was the next election? Was it the following year? No. 86? No. Okay, well, we'll keep that as your your, your bonus point. Uh, Simon, what do you reckon? How many seats do you win? The answer, Kieran, is 14. How the hell? The year is 1987. How the hell do you know this? You must have looked it up. No, I know it. You, how do, Okay, how, how do you know this? It's on reeling in the years 1987. Are you fucking kidding? You <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> You son of a <laughs> like, Then what am I on this show? I'm the Reeling in the Years nerd. Like, <laughs> God damn it. Okay. I, fuck this. I wasn't actually, I was like, I was like, right, I got to come up with something obscure. Okay. That's obscure enough. Nah, nah. No. Okay. And you know what? You know, I actually watched, um, and this is, again, I'm, I'm just a bit of a nerd in general because I watched a documentary about the PDs uh, last week and it's on that too. Fair enough. Very good doc. I can recommend it. It's on YouTube. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. I must give it a watch. See, De- Desi O'Malley died last week, so I, I, yeah. um, I went down a wormhole of, uh, of, of, uh, you know, looking, looking up his, his, his life or whatever. So, uh, ah, okay. found this documentary. So I actually saw it on that, but it is on the Reeling in the Years episode. Um, okay, I'm pretty sure. Well, we'll find out in two weeks' time. But I'm yeah, sure. we will actually. And in Auckland Harbour, a Greenpeace ship is targeted by the French who blow up the vessel, sinking it in the harbour. Um, the audio of the suspect. It was I, you fools. The man you trusted isn't wavy gravy at all. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so it, the France, uh, one person dies as a result and France says it acted under orders. From who? Uh, I didn't really do much looking into it, but it just seems as though this Greenpeace vessel was kind of sailing the ship, sailing the ocean as it does, you know, being like no to oil and all that shit. And the French were just having none of it uh, and basically just blew a massive hole in it. Um, didn't declare who from, you know, who, who said, yeah, go and do it. But it was done. I didn't know that. I thought it was a way out of something. Just saying I was following orders, but don't say who from. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Just blame the yeah. guy who doesn't speak English. Did it say <laughs> it was done by secret agents? Because yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't very secret. I mean, they blew up a boat. Like, <laughs> it said French secret agents. It's on reeling in the ears. So, I mean, it's not that <laughs> it's, There was definitely a French guy watching this, you know, years ago going, oh, bollocks. <laughs> We're done for now. <laughs> um, and we also see Maggie Thatcher signs the Anglo-Irish Agreement with Gareth Fitzgerald, which leads the Republic to having a say in the affairs of Northern Ireland. Um, it gives the Republic the right to have its say, as opposed to being told what's happening, um, which would really start to sort of, I suppose, lay the groundwork for, because you see, um, obviously, John Hume instrumental in putting this one together as well, but it kind of lays the groundwork for what would become the Good Friday Agreement, uh, despite the fact that last week Maggie Thatcher basically said that this is a no-go. Uh, you know, this is not going to happen. But, you know, fuck her. So Yeah, Gareth Fitzgerald's <laughs> a charming a charming individual. You know, he managed to talk her in. He, he must have given her the old Wiggum charm, you know, just uh, waddling up to her, loosening the tie. Well, um, I heard that I heard that in the 80s, and Kigo, you might be able to confirm this, that the virility of a man was uh, related to the size of his glasses. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Gareth Fitzgerald has, apart from Dennis Taylor, the biggest set of glasses I've seen. Uh, in this episode, so you know, they, they, they covered sure to resist. every field of vision, uh, it was available to him, and I think he used that in negotiations. He could see the future, the past, <laughs> he had x ray vision, he had everything. He also sounded more English than Margaret Thatcher. So, I think maybe they his part of his negotiating tactic was to do an impression of an English person to confuse her. 
that's true. It, it, maybe he went under the guise of, you know, hey, look, look, the you know, these glasses are big enough. I could totally see me and you doing this together, you know. Uh, and she was like, oh, why not? Uh, and then, of course, signed the Anglo-Irish Treaty. So fair play, fair play to, uh, to Gary Fitzgerald. <laughs> he, he knows what's happening. Um, and of course, unionists are not happy. What's new? Uh, and vowed to bring the agreement down. And of course, where there's unionist controversy, there's Big Ian. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Northern Secretary, Tom King, is hailed with the barrage of traitor as he is led to his car and tackled to the ground when nobody makes any attempt to stop this. Did you see your man? That There was one guy sent flying like between yes. a pillar and a car. And it's yes. like, just like the poor fella. Like, it's just... He's a unionist. There's always one fucker burning a tricolor as well. So yeah. I was like, you know, I understand their point. And then next scene, I see somebody burning a tricolor, and I'm like, well, you're a bunch of dickheads. <laughs> exactly. It's like the fucking that British protester group, and they were like, they went on YouTube uh, with a banner clab on them, and he wanted to um, basically say, you know, we want England out of the UK, and you know, blah blah blah. We don't want these immigrants. Whatever. Usually, shite. And he tries to light the EU flag on fire. <laughs> However, there are EU regulations which they that all flags must be made inflammable so that uh, or unflammable uh, so that they can't catch fire and he fails miserably trying to light it on fire <laughs> which is just brilliant because I noticed when he was lighting the tricolor it didn't so much catch fire as it just melted yeah so, it, just kinda, it is yeah it's <clears> kind of melting in a kind of a yeah yeah so he's just probably gonna the worst that'll happen is he probably have a sore hand <laughs> um, yeah, have, they, have, have unionists ever said yes to anything it, probably union isn't <laughs> yeah like they just always seem to be saying no it's probably the only word they know you know it, it seems that way yeah that, well, and, that, said... and, that and traitor <laughs> yeah because they, they've said no to dentistry they've said no <laughs> to crack they've said no to talking to people so yeah. you know I, I don't know what they would say yes to yes to not talking to people maybe if someone tries reverse psychology you know what I mean do you uh, not not want to talk to people? I'll say yes. yes. Yes, to sectarianism and not allowing Catholics to have jobs or homes. I think that was probably that was probably yeah. the last time I said yes to anything. <laughs> that, that was yeah. That was the, when they had people in tin sheds and dairy, that was probably the last time they said yes. <clears throat> uh, and in the hurling, Offaly are all Ireland hurling champions. Uh, now, it, would you say? And I think I might be right in saying, uh, Simon, you might know, is this the first time in reeling and years we've heard Jer Canning on commentary? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. I think this is a young Jerry Canning uh, yeah. making his debut. I, I feel like Michal O'Hare, who we've heard previously retired around the mid '80s yeah. or had, he had health issues. So yeah, I think Jerry Canning took over. Um, yeah, he's he's just a legendary voice, like fantastic voice. And the worst part is, I can never remember his fucking name because I always get him mixed up with Des Cal. And I was like, I was like, what the hell is his name? So I I googled like you know the Sunday game and it gave me a list of commentators. So YouTube Des Cattle, and I was like, shit, that's not him. Um, and then, no, I found Jar Canning uh, giving out a clip of him on RT, giving out about something the Gooch had said. And I was like, yes, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the voice. <laughs> yeah, still going now. So, what, yeah, as you said, 30, what, 36 years. So, yeah, Jar's Jer's still commentating away, and it must be in his 60s now. But, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, still going. Oh, definitely. And still going strong. Just a fantastic commentator. Um, and in the football, Kerry beat Dublin. Um, and then we see teachers are protesting. What's new? Um, I kid, good on him. Uh, at a rally in Croker, they demand a 10% e- uh, increase. Um, so even back then, teachers are still, teachers not happy, not happy with the world conditions. <laughs> have, have they not been watching episodes, of previous episodes of Reeling in the Years? Like the country's fucked. Where are they getting the 10, where are we going to get yeah. 10% pay award for them? Like, 
where yeah exactly where are they going to pull this out of like it doesn't yeah. make you know come on lads you know bit of research here <laughs> that's it your teachers <laughs> read a book <laughs> yeah and like just you know just looking for more days off aren't they that's that's that tends to be what uh yeah that tends to be what it is that's it like i mean come on you get the whole summer to yourselves like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every I, I teacher i know hates when you say that i know yeah. my sister's a teacher she fucking drives her nuts no i think part of the problem was they kept trying to tell kids parents that they're kids were arseholes <laughs> but they were but they're like no not my jimmy my jimmy's absolutely perfect he does not defecate on desks anywhere else <laughs> and so then they got right we need more money to deal with this yeah. jimmy and other people you know because to be fair everyone else's kids except for your own are fairly intolerable oh and they are, deal with them all day every day kids are like farts you can barely stand your own yeah hey uh, you know um, but it's nice to know that i wasn't the only one who had a desk shitter in school <laughs> you think I'm joking no we, we had a desk shitter um, but we actually had one kid who would purposely in the last days of summer uh, leave a banana in the in, you know you know, remember those old school desks where you had like oh the, yes yeah and when you come back in September and it smelled like fucking dead rat oh. yeah <laughs> yeah oh, I was fucking disgusting some seriously horror stories about going to an inner city school I can tell you that much there's some there's some there's a malevolence in the brain there you know that's that's like you know that's that's like um it's not quite on the level of like serial killers who like dissected you know insects when they were kids and stuff like that but like it's not far off <laughs> yeah there's definitely a certain group of people living a certain lifestyle there now and they were definitely desk shitters you know they, yeah. they, they, with, they with this conversation together. lads should we not have given them 20 percent? you know uh... <laughs> yeah we don't pay the teachers enough you heard no. it first you heard they, it first they've fucking earned it they really have <laughs> and and caretakers too actually because on one occasion desk shitter stood in it and then had to track and tracked it the whole way to oh, school no. yeah and the caretaker had to follow the trail uh you know to find out where it ended up so uh oh. eddie eddie the brush if you're out there listening a fair play to you um, <laughs> that, yeah, that was his name, Eddie the Brush. He always had a brush. Uh, Poor man yeah. had a real name and a real life. He did. He did. He's a lovely man. I see him from time to time, but God, you don't get paid enough for that crack. Caretakers uh, are always lovely, aren't they? We are. They caretaker are. in our school was lovely man as well. They are, and you know nowadays they're all on fucking CE schemes. You know that's it, it's bollocks, really. Give them, give them proper titles. Yeah, you know. Um, because I know everyone used to when you know when like your teacher was out sick and they'd get a, a replacement teacher, they'd separate you all and put you into class. They just put our caretaker in there once or twice. He just sat down <laughs> twiddling his big jailer keys and <laughs> you know, let us run. I tell you, inner city schools don't knock up, it's great crack. Yeah. Um now, Gigo, your talking point, Spike Island. Uh they transform yes. the former prison, turned naval base, back into a prison for joyriding offenders, and then the prison is absolutely ravaged in a riot by the prisoners, as we see shots of men on the roof of the prison. Do you, know what's in, do you know what's insane, right? Now, um, there's, uh, I, obviously, if you've been there, you'll, 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 you'll know. If you haven't been there, defo go. It's a great trip. But mm. there's a whole side of Spike Island where, where the jails were yeah. is, made, is made of wood. And, and it, there, there's the cells in the older building that are made of wood hold 50, 60 people in a cell. Yeah. And so you're thinking, right, we're going to put joyriders, arsonists, yeah. Uh, general criminals in a group of 50, 60, 70 together in a wooden building. <laughs> um, so it, it was never going to end up well. Uh, no. And so they just burnt it all down, got on top of the clock tower building. Uh, and, and while we were over there, we were told a story about 
there were two prisoners who were up there who were seen on the news and their mas got on a boat across and started screaming at them from the outside and they were the first two to get down this is apparently <laughs> nice. real that's they the got the down and, exactly and they went back into the cell and then slowly a few of the guys started following them and then the rest of the people got got uh, arrested doubly but it's a it's a we, we were there as in in the middle of drizzle so yeah. you've got the real spike island experience and it's just Oh my God! It's like it is. It is like it is like 1985. It's just beige and rotten. And, yeah. And was 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 joyriding such an epidemic that they had to like create an island prison for them? Like, was it that bad that that like? What, I mean, I would have thought island prison for like the worst of society, like murderers and you know. But we seem to have, like like Alcatraz, but we seem to have made it just for lads who like robbing cars. Yeah, we we were pretty grand with the murders. There was, you know what I mean. There wasn't a massive issue with that. You know, no one got murdered who shouldn't have been murdered for the most part. Uh, but the joyriders, they were stealing people's cars, and like it was, it was huge. Like even, I even remember, you know, in the early nineties, trying to play football in certain areas, Dublin, and we had to wait for the joyrider to finish uh, doing donuts in the middle of the football pitch. And this isn't that long ago. Like, I know I'm 100 years old, but it's not that long ago. So, like, we, we do love an old joyride because insurance is so high, obviously. Jesus Christ, that's a... Uh, yeah, because I went over there not too long ago. And um, <clears throat> it is... It, it's, like, obviously, when, uh, you know, 1985, the gift shop wasn't there. Um, but it's just... It is very, like, grey and... And all that, and we went into one of the cells, and uh, mm. they have they have uh, some of the cells have artwork in them from you know what the prisoners would have done. Um, <laughs> I know he doesn't listen, so he's not going to care. But one of the names on one of the artwork was like you know I'm not going to name it, but it was like you know blah 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 was here or whatever, uh, and he lives like three doors down from me. So I would literally <laughs> say, I literally turned to my wife and I was like, we actually can't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> and, and we walked past a fence, a really high fence. And there was a football impale on the spike or whatever on the fence. And I asked the tour guide, I was like, oh, has that been here since? And he turned around and he said, no, no, we were playing football on our break a couple of months ago and it got stuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they, put, they put dummies in the, in the cells. I don't oh, know if they were there when you were there. They weren't so you, fucking terrifying. Oh my God. You walk in and there's a dummy reading the Beano and you go, Jesus, yeah, people yeah. still here. <laughs> like, and he's looking right at the door as well. So when you turn your head, he's making eye contact with you. Yeah. Fucking. On the inside, in, on the inside of the Beano, there was a Playboy magazine. So it was all very dodgy. Oh, I didn't even look at the Beano. That's, that's actually hilarious. Um, but, uh, and then we see uh, teachers not being the only ones out in force as a clampdown on street and casual trading brings the traders to protest. Uh, picket signs, scarves, hats for two for a fiver. Um, they seem to get pretty out of hand as we see guards tussled with protesters. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the protest is about. I'm guessing that, the, you know, the guards and whatever didn't want people out on Moore Street and things like that. But hey, if they're still going. They're still flogging the oranges and... It- it seems to have got violent very quickly. Yeah. Like, okay, there wasn't anything too major going on, but there was major kind of pushing and shoving going on. But like, it doesn't. It was all, you know, they were all kind of wandering around, smiling and laughing while protesting. Yeah. And then suddenly, next scene, there's a load of guardy kind of milling. No one's throwing digs around them, but it's just kind of milling around and people on the ground and stuff like that. And I just don't. Yeah. There was no con. Like many things in really near, there's no context provided. Yeah, there was definitely a guard who was literally walking, you know, minding his own business, patrol, and he went, "Hey, I bought a watch off him a week ago, and the fucking thing's broken now." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then to finish us off, Paul Brady plays us out with a beautiful "The Island," fantastic song. 
Um, seen it butchered many times on karaoke, but you can't beat Paul Brady's version. No, that's uh, great. It is, it is. Um, and with that, that is 1985. So uh, I'm going to go around the, the table there and uh, we'll start with Kigo and ask if you could bring any three people from tonight's episode to a dinner party, who would they be? Who would you choose to bring over? Barry McGuigan, mm. Ian Paisley, especially with Barry McGuigan there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I still want to bring back our friend from Knock Airport. Oh, yeah. Um, just the madman to see what else he's going to come up with. To get a few sherries into him. And he, he might have, have invented Bitcoin in 1985 <laughs> over dinner. We don't know. You just so that'd know. be my three. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so, I mean, who would your three be? Um, yes, yeah, so it's like, the, like yeah, there wasn't a huge amount of characters in this, a lot of stories, but like uh, uh, very few kind of characters. But yeah, so we'll, um, so the first person I'm going to bring is uh, the original moving statue. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just want to put it in the corner of the room, see if it moves. <laughs> the more that we drink, uh, see if it starts to move, maybe, you know, um, and just, just, we'll just leave it there and see if Mary decides to move herself, uh, while you. we're, or move me, as the bishop, <laughs> as the bishop said, uh, the bishop isn't coming, he can, he can, he can wait outside, yeah. uh, he's not invited, um, he actually, he sounded, he sounded very like Dermot Morgan doing Father Trendy in the previous episode, actually, didn't he, he? Yeah, he had that yeah. tone to him, which I suppose is what makes Dermot Morgan such a good, yeah. um, uh, mimic, I suppose. Um, so yeah, so bring the Virgin Mary statue in lieu of actual good characters in this episode of Reading in the Years. Um, and along with along with the Virgin Mary statue, I think we'll bring uh, Gorbachev. Um, You've been waiting all this time. I've been waiting for him. I know he's going to feature in the next couple of episodes, uh, and then abruptly stop featuring when communism falls. But um, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we like him. He's he's one of. I think he feels like he's one of history's good guys. Uh, yeah. You know, certainly in reeling in the years, history he's portrayed that way. So that's that's the way I live my life. So we'll uh, we'll. Um, <laughs> Well, I base my my, my thoughts on so we'll bring, bring Gorbachev and his policies of glasnost and perestroika can come with him as well. Um, and I, I, yeah, Barry McGuigan is a good choice, but I'll leave I'll leave him going to Kigo's party. No point in dragging him. You know, he's got fights to prepare for, so we're not going to bring him to <laughs> not going to bring him to um, to both of them. So I think it, I'll bring Des O'Malley. Um, he was expelled from Fianna Fáil for standing up to Hahi, so yeah. he, he's, he's owed a drink uh, in my in my eyes uh, for that. And uh, I think setting up the PDs kind of shook up the establishment in in Ireland. It did lead to coalition politics, which we're still suffering with at the minute. Oh, yeah. but, um, but you know, we'll, we'll, he probably did more right than wrong in his life. So we'll we'll bring we'll bring El Desi. Yeah, he, um, he he basically was the definition of I'll make my own party with blackjack and hookers. Um, <laughs> and Mary Harney. And Mary Harney, yeah. Well, she, she'd be probably good, pretty good at blackjack. Um, so for, for myself, I would definitely pick Paul Brady, a fantastic musician. Um, and Jerk Canning as well, because I just love that man's voice and his enthusiasm for the sport of hurling and Gaelic football. He's just phenomenal. Um, and then, of course, Barry McGuigan. Um mainly because I'd like to grill him on what went wrong with Carl Frampton and why do you owe him so much money? <laughs> a lot of backstory there. A lot of backstory. I'm sure there's some dodgy dealings he could, could or could not discuss. Um, so with that, that is 1985 under wraps. Um, so if you want to keep up with everything that is happening, I know you're eagerly waiting that uh, mullet graph chart that I said I'd do last week. Um, but please be sure to follow at R-I-Y-E podcast. That's where you'll find us. Um, and be sure to listen in every, well, this is going to drop tomorrow. 
So Tuesday for this week, uh, and then next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming on Saturdays at 8pm. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, wherever you listen to all your podcasty stuff. Um, a big huge thank you to Mr. Kigo for joining us again this week. It's been an absolute pleasure, so thank you, sir. Absolutely. Cheers, lads. Always a great time and stay safe. Absolutely. Thank, and the, the cameo for uh, your, your, your kids and your dog, that was a uh, that was awesome. And <laughs> it's nice to get everybody involved. Um, and as always, big thank you to Mr. Simon Chadwick once again. We shall be back next week. Um, so thank you to you for listening. And as always, keep on reeling. <laughs>